G'day everybody, my name is Elliot Waters and you're listening to the Disregulated Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is all about my diminishing capacity. So today's episode is not full of good news, but at the same time, because this podcast is the most real, genuine look at mental health and mental illness This episode must go to air and I'm going to do it right now. Nothing's going to stop me, even though I am feeling very fried at this point. That is for sure. It has been a massive week. But before we get into that, I do want to say, if you haven't heard or if you haven't seen, the Dysregulated podcast is now on Instagram. So you can follow the show by searching thedysregulated.podcast. And it will come up and you can see all the latest stuff that's going on and there's going to be some great content coming. So I highly suggest that you follow the Instagram page. And of course, if you're enjoying the show, feel free to like, subscribe, share it around with your mates and give us a rating. That would be great as well for the algorithms. Anyway, let's press on. So it's Friday, which means I got through another week of work at my new job as a behavioral therapist, which is great news. But the problem is we are just holding on and we are running out of capacity in general, general capacity in a big way. So what I mean by that is all of my energies, all of my fuel, which we'll talk about shortly, is going towards the new job. But unfortunately, any other task or chore or things that I need to really be doing outside of work, I'm unable to do because I just do not have the drive, the energy, the fuel to do so. And I'm going to use this analogy of a motor vehicle and fuel tank to try and explain what is going on. So imagine we all have a fuel tank, like a 60 liter fuel tank. When we're running good, you know, we're full of of unleaded fuel, everything's going well. But then, unfortunately, depression hits. Now, what depression does is it constricts the fuel tank. So all of a sudden, our fuel tank was sitting at 60 litres. We're now down to 30, 20 litres instead. That is why when you get depressed, you tend to slow down, you can't get out of bed, you disengage from the world, everything is all too difficult because you do not have the energy stores to be able to engage in the world like you would like to. That is because the fuel tank has been constricted And there is not enough fuel pumping around to get you going and get you moving and achieving your goals. Now, what can also happen is anxiety can attack the fuel tank. So anxiety raises the fuel economy extremely highly. So it uses fuel up really quickly. It put holes in the fuel tank. So you're leaking fuel and it's not even, the energy isn't even going towards anything productive and you just feel drained all the time. And that also makes sense, at least to me, because you think of the fight or flight mode or freeze mode, you know, in those situations we have elevated 
blood pressure, elevated heart rate, we're sweating more, we can have hands that are tremoring, um, hyperventilation, we are using up our fuel like never before. That is what anxiety does. So depression constricts and diminishes the overall capacity of fuel that we have available to us and anxiety drains that fuel very, very quickly. That is for sure. Now, I'm going to expand this idea just a bit further. This might get a bit murky, but try and stay with me. It also has to do with another of my diagnoses, which has been playing havoc with me this week, along with anxiety and depression, which is ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. So what it does, it messes with the fuel lines. So it sometimes puts a burst of fuel into our engine or in our brain, you could say, and you could look at that as hyperfocus. But other times the ADHD is clogging our fuel lines and only erratically sends fire, or not fire, fuel energy into our brains. And that's when we get brief moments of focus and the ability sometimes to complete tasks. But this is very, very unreliable and it is very hard to predict when the ADHD will allow the fuel to fire in the brain. So what happens often is that we just get the odd spurt of fuel here and there, which really is only enough to remind us of all that actually needs doing and the fact that we do not have the capacity to do so, which has been my problem for the last couple of weeks. So the way I see this analogy and how it works, I can see or I believe that on their own, these three diagnoses can affect the fuel tank without the others interfering. So depression on its own can constrict the fuel tank, which causes problems, or anxiety is the one that's draining the fuel tank at a high rate, which causes different problems, or ADHD is actually the one that is stopping the fuel from getting to where it needs to be, our brains, whatever. And in that case, the fuel tank would actually be full, but we can't use the fuel that is there. And that is so true for ADHD. The energy's there, the desire is there, but the actual ability to implement is not. And that's because the fuel is not running consistently. And in this case, the fuel really is dopamine. So there you go. Dopamine is very much the fuel that we are referring to here. So what happens though when all three are playing their part? Well, you get me today, that's for sure. So you are left with a fuel tank that is extremely tiny. It is running on fumes and whatever goes in there goes out very quickly and the fuel lines are not working like they should be and you're barely getting any consistent flow of energy to the brain at all. So this is not an engine or a human being running at top speed, that's for sure. So what do you do though? What are our options when this occurs? How do we open up the fuel tank? How do we slow the draining of the fuel tank? And how do we direct fuel consistently to where it needs to go? And in a lot of cases, the way to do that is 
through medication. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it is organically through good diet, good sleep, um, drinking lots of water, meditating, using different psychological tools that have been taught, all that sort of stuff adds fuel to the fuel tank and ensures it stays at its maximum size. But when the constriction has happened and the outflow has gone up way too much and the ADHD is spurting it around in every direction and it's not helping at all, it is very difficult then to engage with those healthy behaviors because unfortunately those healthy behaviors require energy. It takes energy to get the organic energy as well. So if you've got none to begin with, good luck going for a run. That's for sure. Because I would have loved to have gone for a run this week, but there's just nothing there. There's just nothing that is able to power me to complete that role and what I wanted to do, which is very sad. But anyway, so what do we do? Well, you can turn to medications, and that is exactly what I have done. And you can do this in one of two ways. You can do it the way that has been prescribed and recommended by your medical health professional, or you can take matters into your own hands. And I have done the latter. So to counteract the depression, which has lowered the capacity of the fuel tank to begin with, I have been using a lot of caffeine and dexamphetamine stimulant medication to really put more fuel into the tank and keep it open. Now for the anxiety to try and slow the outflow of fuel, I have been using pregabalin or Lyrica to try and keep the anxiety levels down. And for ADHD, well, the Vyvanse stimulant medication also helps with that but lowering anxiety um, also is a big part of it because ADHD and anxiety really do work together. And to top it all off, I've also been using some lorazepam, which is a benzodiazepine, which is a little bit dangerous. <clears throat> you don't want to get hooked on it, that's for sure. I've only used it fleetingly just to really be able to wind down and be able to get some peace at the end of the day. So needless to say, it's been a very difficult few weeks and I've been using measures to try and get myself able to be in a position to perform. And when it comes to my work, I think I have been able to do that. I've been able to perform, but it's been at a great cost because by using these synthetic fuels, you could say, these medications, it actually causes damage to the engine, and it especially does. So yes, for example, Vyvanse or dexamphetamine, the stimulant medication, yes, having it will raise your energy levels, but it will also tire you out and fatigue you out once it wears off, and you will be more fatigued at the end than you were at the start, especially if you're having more of it than you probably should, 
which maybe I've been doing this week. And all of these options aren't sustainable because these medications, as I said, they're not organic fuel sources, they're synthetic. So although they are masking the fact that they're uh, energy deficiencies, what's happening is that it is prolonging the time that I am not engaging and being able to have the organic fuel sources. So for example, I haven't been eating much this week. I haven't been drinking much water. I haven't done any exercise. I have not been sleeping well. And as a result, I've got a cold. Don't have COVID, but I've got a cold. I'm extremely fatigued and I am literally running on zero. You can probably hear it in my voice in this episode today. And the more that you cover up this and artificially inflate energy levels and lower anxiety without actually going to the cause of it and and trying to alleviate depression without actually going to the cause of it, all it does is kick the can down the road and that can gets bigger. And this is when we get into the territory of mental breakdowns. Now, don't get me wrong. I know me. I am not in mental breakdown territory just yet, and I'm not going to allow that to happen. It is not going to happen. Don't worry. But if it did, you will know all about it on the show because, of course, you'll be there with me every step of the way. But at the same time, burnout is a real issue. Now, I've suffered from burnout before. Um, So previously, I used to work in the road transport industry and I worked a lot of night shifts. I'm talking 11 p.m. till 11 a.m. or 2 a.m. starts, all of that. The trucks have to keep moving and I had to keep loading them on my forklift. So at all hours, we were going. But I've also worked in nightclubs as well. So we're talking finishing times of 3, 4, 5 a.m., And jobs like that have contributed to a degree of burnout for me. Really, I think I've been burnout for probably 15 years, but, you know, it has ebbed and flowed. But the problem this time is that the burnout this time is coming from, I would say, within, factors from within. It's the anxiety of thinking that I'm not doing a good job and I'm going to get fired at any moment. It's the imposter syndrome that keeps telling me that I'm not good enough, I should not be doing this job. How on earth can I be telling people how to live their life? It's the depression that just keeps nagging at me, saying that only bad things are coming. You're not actually a good person like you hope that you are and you really need to take a look, you know, a step back and sort of, Reevaluate and and remind yourself in a way. Sometimes it tells me that my place in the world is down here, and everyone else is up there. That is what it says to me quite often, and it is battling those sorts of cognitions, negative emotions, every single day before I even get to the office and turn the computer on. As soon as I open my eyes at the moment, when I wake up, it is just dread straight away anxious, depressive dread, and I've got to overcome that just to get out of bed, 
And then obviously you're meant to have breakfast, but if you're super anxious, you don't really like eating very much. So I've been skipping breakfast a lot. I get to the office and that's when we load up on some stimulants like caffeine, like dexamphetamine, like nicotine. And then we also have some pregabalin to really put a lid on the anxiety And then through those artificial means, we've been able to press on and get the job done. But like I've said, it has been to the detriment of everything else outside of that very narrow scope. So everything outside of me at work, nine to five, has dropped away. So there is no exercising. There's no seeing friends. There's barely any eating. There's barely any relaxed time doing hobbies, anything like that. It is just fatigue and trying to recover and get ready for the next day. Um, So that is very negative. But the good news is, and my hope is this, that soon enough, the confidence that there will be evidence through my work that will give me confidence that I actually do know what I'm doing. I can be and I am a competent behavioral therapist. And once that starts coming in, once I start feeling better about my performance, my output, then the anxiety will lower. So the fuel tank won't be draining as quickly. The depression will lift because I've got that confidence and a bit of self-belief. So all of a sudden, the capacity of our fuel tank has now lifted. And because the depression and anxiety have improved, the ADHD will improve as well. And the fuel lines will be running true. And all of a sudden, we'll be back on top. That is the plan. That is the goal. But there are, there's, no, there's no mincing words. There's no two ways about it. We are holding on for dear life. And don't get me wrong, like, you know, this isn't, I don't want to sound like I'm in crisis mode or anything. It's not that. I'm, it's, it's just that we are in the grind, you know. I know that these are very significant days of my career. These are the real formative moments of, of my career, you know, to eventually be a clinical psychologist and hopefully be quite a good one as well. The, these moments right now, this sink or swim sort of stuff, learning all these new therapies and techniques on the go, meeting clients for the first time, of course, it's going to be anxiety provoking because it is very significant. These days, these weeks are the building blocks of my career and we've just got to bloody hang on. And unfortunately, when you're someone like me who has a multitude of mental illnesses, and don't get me wrong, it's not just the, the depression, anxiety, ADHD playing their role. Borderline's doing its thing. There's some bipolar, maybe slipping into a bipolar depressive episode could be coming. Perhaps got to keep an eye on that. Um, the social anxiety aspect is still huge, especially when meeting new clients for the first time. There's a lot going on, unfortunately. So for people who are like me, who are really really trying to do something good for themselves and I suppose good for other people and really try and achieve goals that are quite lofty. Unfortunately, to do so, we have to go to limits that maybe other people wouldn't. 
And for me, the last couple of weeks, those limits has been quite a reliance on medications, on caffeine, on nicotine, and blocking everything else of life pretty much out to focus solely on this goal until it settles down and then we can start to relax and look to improve the other areas of life again because that really needs to happen because if you've listened to the episode New Year, New Me, which is a great episode, I go on about how this year was going to be the year that I really had a good time and learnt to have fun again and unfortunately, I'm not doing a very good job of it, but there is still six months to go and I think I can salvage it, that's for sure. I am very excited for that. I just need the new job to be, or for me to be comfortable in the new job for everything going well, and then everything will flow on from that. I am sure, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident that we give it a couple of weeks. I'll be doing an episode on here, looking back and not being able to conceive how I could have been so stressed about this job because it's going so well, we're killing it, everything's going great, how good. All right, so that's it for this episode. I hope that made sense. I don't know if it will. I really hope it does, though. Um, at My aim is to offer, I guess, some insights into what it is like living with mental illnesses, but I want to do it in a way that sort of makes sense to people that maybe aren't experiencing the same things that I am. So hopefully using the analogy of the fuel tank has done that job. Um, as I said, it's been a big week. This, this is probably, could be, I think, the most fatiguing, difficult, in the grind, you know, sort of in the trenches, just head down, just just powering away, you know, like I am absolutely spent, but I really think I'm going to look back and go, those were the days when I'm some well-known, renowned clinical psychologist, you know, one of the leaders in the field. I reckon I'll look back and think about this episode and how I feel as I record it right now and think, you know what, it was days like that that has led to this, and I'm thankful that we did go through that. So anyway, I think that's a positive spin on the situation, but yes, I'm very tired, I'm very tired, it's Friday night, it's, it's almost 11 o'clock on Friday night, I need to get some sleep. And then I need to have a nice relaxing weekend before we do it all again next week. So as always, thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. Um, I really, really love the support and people messaging in saying that they've gained certain things from the podcast and from my experiences, which is amazing. So thank you as always. And remember to follow the Instagram page if you could, the dysregulated.podcast. That is on Instagram. And also, if you could give the show a rating, five stars would be perfect. That would be amazing as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I do appreciate it. I'll be a bit more bubbly for the next episode, I promise. But I really wanted to get this one out because this is this is what it is like living with mental illness. There's no two ways about it. 
you know, what I'm going through or the catastrophizing, the fact that I can't eat food, I, I'm barely drinking water, I'm forgetting meals, you know, I can't even go grocery shopping, like, and the stress of work and, and the expectation I put on myself because, you know, I've I've realized it's not them, it's me that's putting all the expectations on. This is what mental illness does to people. And I really want people to know that because then we can see the warning signs in ourselves and in others as well. And we can identify that, hey, maybe the way that I'm doing things isn't actually the way it should be. And I can get help and live a better and more quality of life. So although my experiences are obviously very individual and personal to me, I have a feeling that people can relate to the nerves and the anxieties around starting a new job. But unfortunately with me, it tends to go into that that next level because these mental illnesses just love to jump on and just make things so, so difficult. But what they also facilitate are really good podcast episodes, in my opinion. Anyway, that's enough. I'm going to go because I'm getting a cold and I need to sleep and it's getting late. Thank you for listening and I will see you next time on the Disregulated Podcast.